What are some misconceptions about Olympic weightlifting? How do you navigate applying to an MD-PhD program with a 48-hour deadline? On this episode of Talking You and Med Student Life, hear from MD-PhD student Macy on attending national weightlifting competitions, taking Step 1 exam during the pandemic, and balancing med student life here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Welcome to another edition of Talking You and Med Student Life. I have a fantastic guest today, Macy. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I, I've been, I, we were joking before I started this, but I've been looking at this podcast for a long, long time because you have some very unique hobbies and skills and you're a med student and now you're a physician scientist. So we're going to all break this down. All right. Sounds great. Yep. Go on. All right. So let's start. Um, Let's just start start off with like uh, like your extracurricular. Like, what do you do that's unique? What hobbies or what uh, skills do you have that sets you apart? So the biggest one is I'm an Olympic weightlifter. I compete nationally in the sport of Olympic weightlifting, and I have for the past about four years. How did you get started with that? Like, like, like what? What's your story? What's the journey to this? To be an so Olympic was, athlete, which is like amazing. So I was. Uh, like an athlete all growing up. And so I was a gymnast when I was younger and then I was a diver in high school. And then when I got to college, I kind of wanted to do a sport, um, but didn't want to commit to a big time commitment. So I ended up joining CrossFit. And so I did that while I was in undergrad. And so that's kind of how I learned about Olympic weightlifting because you do a lot of different weightlifting movements in CrossFit. And so I hadn't really like tried the Olympic lifts. And so the Olympic lifts are the snatch and the clean and jerk. And so I hadn't really done them or tried to max out in them when I was doing CrossFit, but I kind of learned about it through that and also through just like social media. And so I went to the Olympic trials in 2016 as a spectator. So they actually happened to be in Salt Lake. And so I was able to go watch and just kind of learn more about the sport. And when I was watching, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And so um, I remember looking at my dad and being like, I'm going to do that one day. And it took about a year until I was able to actually start doing it with my now current coach. Um, but that's kind of how I learned about it and got started. So you, you started in, in college. Like that, that's amazing that, yeah. that, that, you know, it was not that long ago. So um, I, I, what, I, did it contribute to your interest in going to medical school? What, 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 was your path to be an Olympic uh, weightlifter the same as your path to medicine? Like, like how do we understand that? Yeah, so it's probably, it's quite different. And so I, I was planning on going to medical school all throughout my undergrad. Um, I was pre-med basically just from the get-go. And then I actually didn't even start weightlifting until I was preparing my medical school application. And so I had been weightlifting for a very short amount of time when I actually applied to med school. And then by the time I matriculated and uh, started med school, I had already made my first international team. And so it, I think with my athletic background, just in a bunch of different sports, it kind of took off very quickly. Um, and I had a natural talent of just being strong and having um, just athletic ability. And so um, I was able to kind of rise pretty quickly to a, a fairly competitive level. And what's your training regimen look like? I mean, what time do you get up in the morning? How many hours are you spending like preparing and, and working out? I mean, what, what does that look like on a daily basis? It's It's pretty much a full-time job. And so I probably only train like – you know, between two and four hours, five days a week. 
Um, and so that's the time I spend in the gym, but then there's the amount of time I spent commuting. And so my gym is in South Jordan. And so it takes me, you know, 30, 40 minutes to get there. And then I spend a lot of time recovering because the workouts are very strenuous and I just need to make sure my body is ready to, you know, keep hitting the gym every single day. And so I spend probably about, um, three to four hours outside of the gym recovering as well. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a full-time job. And is it all upper body or is it your entire body or like, like how, how does, what does that look like? Like when you're training to be a professional Olympic weightlifter, I mean, what does that look like? It's, yeah. So it's, it's pretty different. So I, it's kind of funny because a lot of people will ask me to help them in a normal gym. And I really don't know what to do with a dumbbell. Like I, I don't know what to do in a normal gym. I really only know how to move a barbell. Um, and so we, we only really do lifts that will strengthen the overall Olympic lifts with this, which is the snatch and the clean and jerk. And so we'll do like pulling movements from the ground. We'll do lots of squatting, lots of overhead presses. And so we kind of do a full body workout every single day in the gym. It's never like legs or arms or back. It's kind of like an all around um, constantly working on those movements, like those dynamic movements every day to get a little bit more um, powerful, a little bit faster, a little bit stronger every single day. Wow. And then do you have a special diet um, to help uh, prepare you for this? Or, I mean, what does that look like? Because like, I just have this, and I, I, forgive me, Macy, I, I, I do not know much about this world, but I do know I have this image of like people training, like eating raw eggs and, and things like that. And and I don't know, like, is that, is that something you like, what, what kind of diet do you have to prepare? Not raw eggs, but definitely a lot of eggs. Okay. Um, so definitely just high protein. Um, and I, I try to keep it as clean as possible. And so, um, if I'm preparing for a competition, I'm like weighing out my food all of the time because I have to make weight, um, cause I compete in a weight class sport. Um, but most of the time it's really just trying to be like conscious about my eating choices. And so trying to eat a lot of vegetables, eat a lot of protein, um, make sure I'm eating consistently throughout the day. So I'm, you know, constantly have energy and then drinking lots of water. And so pretty simple. Um, and then I just, um, I, I had to make sure that my weight is somewhat on track before competition. But other than that, I kind of just kind of intuitively eat usually. And what does competitions look like? I mean, like, is it kind of like a round robin or I, I assume there's a progression? Like what, what does a weightlifting competition look like? Yeah. So you show up, you have, so it's unlike wrestling. So I think wrestling, you, you know, wait, you wait in multiple, multiple hours before um, you actually compete, but with weightlifting, you only get two hours. And so you weigh in two hours before you lift and you get like a half an hour ish to warm up. Um, and then you have three attempts in both the snatch and the clean and jerk to lift your heaviest weight. And so you try a weight that you, you know, it's heavy, but you are pretty sure you can do as your opening attempt. And then you take two more after that to see if you can get a little bit more weight on that bar. And then at the end, the winner is whoever has the most in the snatch and the clean and jerk combined. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a number is how you win. So are you, am I allowed to ask what's your number? I mean, what's, how much do you, do you lift? Is that, is that appropriate to ask? Yes, of course. Okay. Um, so my best snatch is a hundred kilos. It actually just happened a couple days ago. And so that was my first snatch PR in a really long time. And so that was really exciting. So it's a hundred kilos, which is about 220 pounds in the snatch. Mm-hmm. And then my best clean and jerk right now is, um, 120, which is about like 265 pounds, I think. Um, and then I'm trying that again in a few weeks. And so hopefully we can put a little bit more on the bar soon. Wow. So I guess there's a strategy. This is just fascinating, Macy. I love this. Cause like, this is a, it's a world, this is an area I know almost nothing about. Like when you go to competitions, do you aim for a weight uh, to lift 
that is higher than what you've practiced? Do you, do you kind of like try to mm, go like the extra or do you just kind of focus on goals that you've already matched in practice? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, d- definitely. Yeah. And it definitely, it definitely depends. And so if you're there just kind of to see how much you can lift, um, then you definitely want to, you know, open with it, like with, with what you've done before, but then, you know, put up, you know, potentially on your second or third attempt, put a weight on that you've never done before to try to get a personal record. And, um, you know, those meets are a lot of fun, but then there's some where you just want to hit a qualifying total. And so if you want to qualify for the national championships, or if you're trying to get on an international team and you need to hit a certain number, then your attempts are a lot more structured in terms of what you need to lift to actually just get that total number. Um, and so it kind of depends, but I, I personally usually like to try to go for a PR when I compete because I have a lot of adrenaline and I'm having a lot of fun. And so it's usually easier for me to lift. The bar feels like, you know, 10 times lighter when you're in competition, just because you're having so much fun. There's so much adrenaline. So I personally like to try and take PRs and my coach is usually pretty good about letting me. That's awesome. So I, I have a list and, and correct this list if, if it's incorrect, but this, these are your achievements utah state champion under 25 national champion university world championship team usa alternates university national champion american open champion national championship silver medalist yep that's it that's amazing yeah so yeah i had uh nationals in and the american open this past december so just a few months ago and so that was definitely my best placing nationally to date um, and so I'm officially ranked second in my weight class, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. What, what's it like competing at this level? I mean, is, I, I mean, how has, how is that? How do you go from being a medical student, you know, in a PhD lab, which we'll talk about like, and, and go to these competitions? I mean, what's that like? Um, I, I try to like think of them as two very separate things and so when I'm you know when I'm at school I'm a med student and when I'm at the gym I'm a weightlifter and then just trying to like keep on top of both of them as as best as I can but I genuinely have so much fun doing both um that it, it it rarely does feel like work like most of the time um and I I do enjoy like talking to my teammates about medical school a lot of them happen to be in the healthcare field as well and then I, I enjoy talking to my you know, classmates in med school about weightlifting. And so um, it's like the best of both worlds, really. Is there a weightlifting community here in Salt Lake City? It's very small. I, I, I would say weightlifting is a very small sport in general. Um, and so the, the weightlifting community in Utah is very small. But the, the pros of that is that I get to know a lot of people. And so I feel like I, I know most of the weightlifters in Utah, at least that compete nationally. Um, and then you get to know a lot of the coaches from around the, from around the country as well. And a lot of other lifters from around the country, because it's kind of such a small, uh, close knit community. And it, it's, it sounds like if you're recognizing people and you're, and you're winning nationally, like you're, you're a national, you're a national athlete. Like this is just, I don't know. It's just amazing that you've done this in such a short amount of time with like a lot of hard work, grit, resilience. It's just awesome. Macy. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I I definitely always still feel like a beginner. Like I've been doing it for four years. That's not necessarily a short amount of time, but I just I, I constantly am looking at where I want to be. Um and so I I I'm doing great nationally, but I really want to start consistently making international teams and, you know, constantly just be a team USA athlete and hopefully kind of um try and make a, a run for an Olympic quad or two. Um so yeah, it's it's fun to have um, goals outside of med school that kind of like you know 
keep the spirit alive when med schools might be dragging you down a little bit. Um, it, it really, really helps. Any cool memories uh, from competitions? Any stories you would like to share? Um, so last, in, well, no, I guess it's not last year. It's two years ago now. It's 2019. I went to the university national championships. That was where I became university, university national champion. But at that meet, I went there because I wanted to try to break an American record in the snatch. Um, and so my best at the time was 99 and I was going for 101 because that was a university American record. Um, and I took it twice. And so I, my opening attempt was really low. It was like 85. Um, and then I went right from 85 to 101 and did a bunch of warmups in the back. And so first of all, nobody understood what I was doing and were, was wondering why I was taking such a big jump. And then um, I ended up missing both attempts. Um, it was just you know, too heavy. I wasn't ready, but it was a great experience. But the best part was probably my coach. One of my coaches looked at me right after I finished, right after I missed my last attempt. And he said, you did everything right, but make it. And I was like, well, I guess that's, that's kind of feedback. Um, but I, that was probably to, to date. One of my favorite moments in competition was trying to break that American record. And um, even though I, even though I didn't make it, it was still only like a couple years after I started weightlifting and just to even be able to try and take it was was a cool experience. That's awesome. That's amazing, Macy. And like, what are some mis misconceptions? Like if there's uh, about uh, weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting, like, like what are some myths that you've had to um, tell your classmates about and kind of uh, correct them? Yeah, maybe not some myths, but more just confusion. And so I feel like weightlifting often gets confused with powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, and so bodybuilding is where it's more of a, you know, a physique competition. You're trying to look really lean and really muscular and compete that way. And then powerlifting, you compete in the squat, um, bench press and the deadlift. And so um, it'll, it's funny, people just kind of get confused. Um, and I've, I've stopped correcting them. I probably should, but because weightlifting is definitely very different. Um, but that's probably what people get confused about the most. I see. Well, um, well, I just want to pivot a little bit, Macy, but this is fascinating. And this, I think this ties into your, at least a little bit into, you know, becoming a doctor, going to medical school. Um, and, you know, you're a first year PhD student, correct? Yep. So yeah, so let's let's talk. Let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. So like, how did you wind up in the PhD program? Um, like, what 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 was your thought process, and how how did you come to that decision? Yeah, so I definitely um, it was is definitely weird because I started med school not as a PhD student, not as an MD PhD student. Um, so I just came in as a normal as a normal first year. Um, I had done a lot of research in undergrad, and then I had spent a gap year doing clinical research at the U after I graduated. And um, that kind of solidified that I wanted to do research as a physician. I just wasn't sure to what capacity. And so when I started first year, I was potentially thinking about applying into the MD-PhD program because you can do that at the U. You can apply in as a first or second year to the program. And so I was trying to think of what department I would want to do my research in. And I just wasn't really sure I wanted to be in a wet lab for four years, as cool as it is. Um, but then I didn't even know about the opportunities that the U had. And so I, I'm doing my PhD in the, popula the population health sciences department doing epidemiology. And so I didn't even know that that was an option. I didn't know that you could have more of like a clinical epi based PhD as a med student. 
And so once I discovered that, I met with the, the head of the department, Angie Fagerlin, and we kind of talked about it. And I had made a lot of friends in the MD-PhD program um, as it was, and it just kind of seemed perfect. And so I decided within like a day, I went to see Janet Bassett, who is the head of the MD-PhD program. She kind of runs the whole, the whole show. I went and talked to her and she said the applications were due in two days and I, I managed to, to figure it out and put it in application within 48 hours. You made weight in two days. It was I did. <laughs> it was, it was, it was quite stressful and definitely had to neglect some of my med student duties when I was putting the application together, but um, we made it happen and, and it all worked out. I love that. And then at Macy, what is, you know, and because I think it's newer. So what is, how would you explain population health to people? I mean, uh, and maybe epidemiology too, you know, like, because like people may hear those words and they're not sure how those fit together or what that is. Yeah. And so I guess the way I kind of think about it is how, is how disease affects the population as a whole. And so how do, how are we making you know, policy decisions based on health? How are we, you know, what interventions for different diseases are we going to implement in the population? Um, and so just kind of determining disease frequencies and then etiologies of the disease and helps us kind of determine mechanisms. And so kind of just looking at health from less of an individual level and more as an entire population level and trying to determine, you know, what, what are the biggest problems that we need to be focused on? Like, where should we be sending our money to and trying, like, what problems do we need to fix? And then also, um, like just kind of learning more about it. And so uh, that's kind of how I think about it. There's definitely a lot of different areas of epi that you can go into. Um, most of my research is in cancer. And so we're kind of looking at, you know, cancer prevention, um, cancer etiology, um, and that kind of stuff. So two years of med school, mm-hmm. already done. Yep. And then you stopped off and then you're going to pursue your PhD three to five years. Yep. You know, th- this is the one question you're never <laughs> supposed to ask a PhD. <laughs> So, I'm hoping about four. All right. So ballpark, you know, four. And mm-hmm. then you uh, go back uh, and finish out your third and fourth year of medical school. So yeah. all told sounds about an eight year journey, give or take. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Was it hard for you? Because um, with, you know, because like during the first two years, you know, you make a lot of friendships, you get to know your mm-hmm. classmates, colleagues, small group discussions, what have you. And then they're still moving on through the curriculum as med students. Was it hard for you to kind of quote unquote leave them, kind of leave that cohort? Yeah, it's a, it was definitely pretty difficult initially, and it and it is at times because I I, I talked to some of my other um, fellow MD PhD students, and we all just kind of really miss clinical medicine when we're doing our PhD. Um, but you know, that being said at the end of the day, I kind of just like tell myself, like, once you start working, you're going to be working the rest of your life. Um, there's really no rush. I only took one year off after med school. Um, and there's, so I, I have plenty of time and I get to, you know, meet more people in residency and get, kind of really get really close to my MD PhD uh, fellow students. And so there's a lot of, there's, there's definitely some cons and we definitely really miss med school, but um, there's a lot of pros as well. And we're kind of all in this together. And um, learning really cool things at the same time. That's awesome, Macy. Like, oh, I, this is so good just chatting with you and kind of catching up. Because I do remember, yeah, when you applied to med, med school a few years ago, and yeah, like uh, mm-hmm. I, I do remember, uh, yeah, the the weightlifting part of your application, but also your yeah. strong research credentials. So I'm not actually surprised. 
yeah. <laughs> that you became an Olympic athlete as well as joined the MD-PhD program. So that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, and I, I, something that's more germane or salient to what's going on nowadays, I just, I would like your perspective, you know, like a year ago, the pandemic started and, you know, how did that impact medical school from your perspective or how did that impact starting the PhD program from your perspective? What, what, what was that like uh, for you? Yeah. So initially it's pretty stressful. I don't know if you've talked to anyone else in my class about um, kind of taking step one in the pandemic. Don't, I don't recommend it. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I, we, we've not done, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So go for it. Um, yeah. So um, it was kind of funny because we kind of got, we kind of stopped everything during our SMBJ unit. So it's our last unit. It's probably one of the better units to not have in person um, just because you can kind of learn it on your own fairly easily. And also you're kind of studying for step at the same time anyways. But um, so Prometric is the company that you, you schedule step one with. And so we, we had appointments getting canceled like like all of the time and it was so hard to try and secure a spot and so all of us had like our original appointments canceled and then we were scheduled all around the country I think I was scheduled like in Arkansas one time in Arizona and like Texas like one time and just we were planning on having to fly around the country just to get an open prometric spot because they weren't letting very many students in because of COVID because you're, yeah you're studying and you have a schedule and they're all of a sudden they keep on moving the goal line like okay like when do I take the test now where do I go oh my goodness yep. And so basically it just became routine every single week when we would have a, an appointment with academic success to be like, well, my date got moved again, like either up or down. And so it was, it was pretty stressful not to be able to like kind of have that date set for a really long time. I think it took, you know, like over a month to finally get a date set in stone. And my, 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 I ended up just taking it in the place that I was originally scheduled at. They just didn't open any appointments for like a month and a half. Um, and so it ended up working out really well, but, um, you know, we were all really stressed in the beginning and then we were kind of like, you know what, we're still going to show up every day and study. It's not really changing that much, you know, give us a date when we can. We started, we stopped being picky and we were like, just please let us take this exam like this year. Um, and so it was, it was, it was terrible, but also really funny. And now all of us can kind of like joke about it to each other. And we all kind of grew a lot closer during that time because um, we were always in the school of medicine and the library being like, Hey, do you have a date yet? Or like, are you doing okay? It's kind of like constantly checking in on each other. Wow. Yeah. And that I do, I do remember that. And there's a lot of emails, announcements um, and not, and I, I, as I understood it, like the Prometric sites, they were very worried about safety. Mm-hmm. And initially at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of confusion about if it can get transmitted through surface uh, surfaces and mm-hmm. the, the ma- masks and, and then six feet apart. And a lot of these testing centers are not six feet apart. I remember very yep. clearly when I took the steps, like you're kind of, kind of packed in there like sardines. And so, yeah, so we definitely understood, but yeah. it was definitely stressful and, um, but it all worked out. So we're all, we're all okay now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like how was starting your PhD program uh, in, a, in a pandemic? Like, has it been all through Zoom or yep. like, I, what does that look like for you? Yep. So we had orientation in person. Um, we definitely just, we masked up, stayed like, you know, 10 feet apart in the big room and were able to kind of talk to each other for, for, you know, you know half the day. And then ever since then, it's been all on Zoom. And so it's been definitely obviously not what I was expecting I was kind of expecting to be you know 
not necessarily not not in a lab but um at least with people with faculty with my pi kind of learning from people not from a computer you know most of my phd um and so it's definitely been quite an adjustment but i'm honestly so grateful that i'm in my phd portion and not a first year med student um because i can't imagine you know, starting med school and having like no one to meet and cause I didn't know anyone going into med school. Um, so I met everyone within like the first like three weeks. Um, and just kind of like having to figure out how to do clinicals, like, you know, on either on zoom or kind of, you know, schedule them sporadically. So, um, it's, it's, a, it's not hard to do epidemiology just at home. Like it's, you know, it's all data analysis anyways. And so it's def- definitely doable, but I'm excited to actually start meeting the people that I've been talking to and collaborating with the past year. Macy, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm glad, you know, you obviously have a lot of grit, resilience, um, and you just have the right attitude, you know, to get through all this. And I'm just excited that you're going to, you're going to, you're in the MD PhD program and I'm going to, be watching the Olympics one day. I'm going to be seeing you I hope just so. lifting yeah. a lot. And I, I can maybe lift like a quarter of what you just, those numbers you gave <laughs> me on a, on a good day. And if I'm like have enough sleep that night. So, it, so I guess last few questions, Macy, like, like what advice, you know, both like what advice would you give someone out there who, you know, was like you a few years ago that mm-hmm. they didn't even really know about this sport or a sport and then they saw it and then they, and then they want, they want to do it. What advice would you give someone, um, you know, when it comes to, comes to um, this amazing skill and, and, and you developed, what would you say to them? Um, yeah. If anyone was interested in learning more about Olympic weightlifting, I would definitely say, do your research. I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there on YouTube and just kind of on the internet, um, learning about what the sport is and then also find a coach if you can. Um, It's definitely a lot easier to get in-person instruction from people who have, you know, done the lifts, competed in the sport. Um, It's definitely unique and can be kind of scary throwing yourself under hundreds of pounds of weight, but um, it's also one of the coolest feelings. And so, um, yeah, and there's there's always resources on the USA Weightlifting website and um, coaches all around the country. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, what would you say to someone who's thinking about going to medical school? Because um, we didn't really focus on it too much, but I know you did a lot to get to med school. So, what would you say to an aspiring med school applicant? Yeah, I would probably just say find out what your passion is and what you're passionate about, because I feel like that both makes you a better Med, med applicant as well as just kind of helps you during your med school journey it's always better to kind of think of medical school as part of your life versus your entire life um and to find that balance i think is really um helpful like both mentally physically and also just really rewarding in the end to kind of be more of a well-rounded person awesome well macy i'm so glad you're able to come on the pod and we'll have to have you come back because i want to learn more about population health as yeah. well as I want to keep on tracking your journey and you, you have a very robust social media presence. And I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to have like sponsors 
I don't know how that works with Olympics. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think I, I just love kind of seeing you go because I've seen you kind of do your competitions. And it's just like, I just look at it and go, wow, I could never do that. That looks so hard. And you make it look so easy. Oh, thanks. Um, and, it, and I don't know, part of me gets scared. Like, oh, like I hope her wrist doesn't snap. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it can definitely be intimidating for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Macy. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. 